RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 22. Letter from Shell Dorf to Gene Roddenberry and Comic Con Program, 1973. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Yes, history buffs, especially there on this Trek spectrum. And, of course, all you Trekophiles with an F, we have a very um, relevant show today, considering the time of year we're recording here. It's summer. Uh, the big San Diego Comic-Con is just around the corner. And going through Gene Roddenberry's files, we found... A most excellent time capsule of sorts we're going to share with you today. So I'm going to be back with a very special guest. But first, as always, check us out on our Facebook page, The Trek Files. Find the documents of the week, and you can follow along right now. So take a listen, and we'll be right back. At this time, you're no doubt up to your ears and stuff. So I'll get to the point. We have another convention in the planning stages for this November 24th and 25th, and it would be my extreme pleasure if you and Majel would accept my invitation to be our guests at King Con. It's another comic science fiction con with the Star Trek division, of course. The Trekkies were our best workers and gave the con a spirit of fun. And we'll build a showcase for whatever you'd like to promote. TV and radio people love us, too. If you can, please answer at once. I must start the wheels going as soon as possible. Thanks, pal. Best wishes from Shell. Well, there you go, Star Trek fans. I hope you truckophiles are going to appreciate today's show because we have a direct tie-in here between Gene and the great fandom behemoth, <laughs> across many streams, of course, that has become San Diego Comic-Con International. But back in the founding days, back with founder Sheldorf, uh, this handwritten correspondence from Shell to Gene and back again, and yes, sharing the program book that he hand-autographed to Gene, and we're sharing some of the pages that are Trek-relevant, especially. And what's amazing is if you look inside there, you see the uh, the whole CONCOM, the whole CON committee's uh, photo from 1973, and seated in that photo is the only female at the table, Jeannie Peacock Graham, having married one of the other <laughs> one of the other gentlemen there at the table. But Jean is our guest this week. Jeannie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Yeah, this is a uh, finding. This was such a fun little thrill, uh, knowing the history of what all has happened in San Diego, and you know what it is now in the pop culture culture world. Um, but then finding this book, especially, and the and the letter back and forth from Shell to Jean. Um, about about Comic-Con in San Diego, but also just this slice of time, this little time capsule right here, 1973, 74, 75. It's before Star Wars. It's when Star uh-huh. Trek is becoming something the likes of which we've never seen before. The yeah. reading is off the scale, Captain. Uh, and I just wanted to talk to you about that time, some of the specifics we're sharing here from the book this week that we found. Um, and some of your memories. So, so tell us really quickly, are you a San Diego native? How did you get mixed up with Comic-Con, that, that early, early, early convention that Shell was putting together? Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, we, uh, we were 
involved with a lot of different fan groups at the time, including the Mythopoeic Society, and some of the members of that group, including Bill Lund, who was the chairman in, I mm-hmm. think, both 73 and 4, uh, was part of Mythopoeic, and so through him and several friends in that group, we went to our first Comic-Con in 72. Uh, that was... Um, the third one, right? The, Started the in 1970. Yes. And, and the first one at the El Cortez, yes. And uh, so we met a lot of Comic Cons uh, uh, members there. And there was a lot of overlap from there on between uh, the Mythopoeic group and then Star, which began in uh, October of 72 uh, and on into 73 when we. We sort of the Star Trek fans invaded Comic Con in 1973, in essence, <laughs> in costume, most of us. And uh, I get the so, idea that I, that was a, yeah, I get the idea that was a phenomenon because that was the was. impetus behind the New York convention happening. All, yes. all the uh, World Con and all the established lit conventions felt like they were being invaded by all these hordes of the, yes. the fans that Star Trek created, and who didn't necessarily have a history with you know the classic literature. And uh, maybe even some of the classic films, although you could almost count classic sci-fi films on one hand at the time, right? Yeah, you um, could. But, but it was it was a friendly invasion. I mean, there wasn't any animosity about it because oh, sure. we were invited. We were invited to Comic Con, and we and we joined the committee. And uh, and many of us were comic book fans. I wasn't as much a comic book fan as a media fan at the time, and a literary fan. But that that all overlapped for me. Right. And, uh, it was okay, and uh, so we, we we were just having a good time. I mean, it was well, yeah. just fun. It was fun. Well, right. Well, I looking at the relevance and trying to put a filter for everyone listening today, just to trying to understand. So, Comic Con itself, the Comic Con monster that we know today, its first edition was 1970. I was reading up here, so. Yes. Shell and colleagues had seen something like that had had been on the founding edge of it back in Michigan in the 60s. And before that, mm-hmm. uh, one of the early com- just comic conventions, just boxes of comics and comic you know artists and fans. Yes. And it struck me how the impetus for the New York convention in 72, the year before, had been, okay, we'll go off and do our own convention. In mm-hmm. San Diego, Comic-Con itself was new, but it seemed a little more open-minded, more wheeler-dealery to say, okay, Star Trek is this is this new wave that's bringing fans into pop culture, into our domain here. It let's, did that. let's harness yes. that, right? It, oh, heavens. Yeah, and, and, and comic conventions had been almost 99% male. Mm-hmm. When Star Trek hit... And invaded, so to speak, it. All of these women suddenly appeared, <laughs> and 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 discovered that it was okay for girls to be geeks too. It was fun. I mean, it was hilariously funny because the guys, some of the guys, were mouth open, staring. What What are all these girls doing here? <laughs> it was cute. Now, Jean, let me let me just fathom this. Are you telling me that there were young women and girls in Star Trek fandom? Uh, yeah, we were uh, we we took it over, man. <laughs> no, there was yeah, there was, was that was the first time that a lot of, of female fans became prominent was in Star Trek fandom because so much of the literary cons were male dominated and the comic cons were almost all 
guys. Right. And uh, well, I, I I mentioned that because there's been a meme yeah. in the last 18 years that having geek girls has been a <laughs> relatively recent phenomenon, and I just in, you know delight in saying, oh, maybe not so much, guys. Get a little bit further, <laughs> dig a little bit further back, and it's not so hard to see. We got uh, together. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the the. the Guys that founded uh, Comic Con initially uh, were just—they were just teenagers too. I mean, well, Dorf was not. He came out. He came from Detroit and had been working with a triple fanfare. It was called in '69 there, there. And Mike Towery and Scott Shaw, and the late Richard Alf and Bill Lund, who was in the Navy at the time. They—they they all started the whole thing in the basement of the. Uh, U.S. Grant Hotel in 1970, so that they were the founding fathers who started yeah. this, and it was all of, guys Comic-Con, of San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. So uh, it was called Golden State Comic Fest, I think, or Golden State mm-hmm. Comic Con at first, and became San Diego Comic Con. Uh, well, eventually, soon, soon after the the cover that we have here, the one yes. that Shell wrote. The, so Shell yeah. writes a letter to Gene. In mm-hmm. this, and I and I do want to circle back because I the, I didn't introduce you properly after having asked you, um, <laughs> because at the time you were the reason I, we we reached out and found you was because and you're labeled here in this photo that we're sharing you were the Star Trek liaison, which for right Comic-Con. there for Comic Con, <laughs> which yes. right there shows you here's a comic convention and before we have all the franchises and it's mainstream the way it is today, here's the first inkling that they've made a special seat at the table for to harness and to channel all that energy coming from Star Trek. I mean, it's a, there's a personification right there, right? It was a... Oh, yeah. Uh, there was not animosity. In fact, it was embracing. And uh, no, what, I mean, no. what, what did you do with that title in the early Comic-Cons? What I did with the title of Star Trek Liaison was to uh, try to get some Star Trek guests to come to the convention. And uh, we did invite Gene Roddenberry. Uh, he was busy with uh, filming things at the time, right. and uh, we did get uh, Walter Koenig and Dorothy Fontana came down. So we had um, we had two Star Trek guests anyway, uh-huh. and uh, had and we set up a large exhibit uh, with a lot of fanzines and. I don't even remember all the, what different trinkets we uh, had on display, but we had an entire room set up to display uh, what Star Trek fans like to do. We like to collect film clips, and uh, there were no VCRs yet. There were no home right. computers yet, so we <laughs> we communicated by snail mail, as it's now known. Yeah. And uh, all over the world, we, we wrote to people all over the world. Zine and, fandom and uh, collecting the, the clips that Lincoln Enterprises sold. Yes, um, and uh, making them into slides, and then we would have slideshows, and uh, so we couldn't we we couldn't watch episodes yet because there were no VCRs, of course. But uh, so we just we mainly got together to talk about Star Trek at conventions right. like Comic Con and at our meetings, which were initially in my house, and then when it got too large, went out to San Diego State. So uh, yeah, well now our really grew. yeah our letter that we actually have from Shell inviting Gene in '73, the, just the back and forth. For one thing, it's Shell was a professional letterer. I mean, he you was a commercial designer. Yeah, yeah. so you can see that from his handwritten letter. Yes. He just dives in here, handwriting his letter to Gene, um, uh-huh. uh, thanking him 
uh, for sending Dorothy as if she was in a box and he just mailed her down, but uh, <laughs> with his official <laughs> yeah. blessing, I think. Uh, and, and having another one of which I don't know how King Con, don't know if that took off or there was more than one edition, but that's kind of the ebb and flow. Things were in flux and people were trying all kinds of different conventions at the time, but still trying to get Gene, you know, down to down to San Diego. Um, yeah. And just I, that, I just that conversational tone of "Hey, come on down. We'll promote whatever you want to promote." Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, and and the media. Uh, you could say we really started the media, whole media, end of Comic Con. Uh, don't blame it on us. We it took over eventually, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a huge media convention now. So uh, we were sort of the the beginning of that with Star Trek. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's been fun. We all enjoyed. Yeah. Doing it and meeting and meeting, of course, meeting your uh, favorite actors and and writers and producers and uh, the people who produced and created what we loved. We were all Trekkies. I mean, uh, I'm still a Trekkie. I don't uh, I don't disavow that title at all. Well, you sure should. After surviving for 30 years these days, it's it's a badge of honor now. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Well, let me. I just want to get stay with stay with his letter here for just a second. It's fine because Shell is enough in his skin here to say, you know, hey Gene, please answer back. We have to start the wheels going. <laughs> it's like give me a give me a fast, you know, and come on, it'll be a rest for you. And then Gene, you know, you're just looks like it may have been over the Labor Day holiday. Yeah, answers him back very very concisely and congenially, and says thank okay. you, thank you, and. Um, Dorothy had a good time, and uh, he gives the update. He's going to be working on Quester then, and uh, mm-hmm. still fingers crossed for the latest of his PAX movies, Genesis 2 this time, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, wishes you luck, and uh, a little bit, even a, bit, a little bit of advice there about FilmCon and all, but um, yeah. things were a little simpler. Here you go, people just writing back and forth when everything, Star Trek was simpler, conventions were simpler, right? Well, in that, in some senses, yeah, but not having any anything, there was no instant communication, so not having anything like email, you had to wait, you had to either wait for uh, the letter to go through the mail, or I, I remember when we ran Equicon having to drive out to to Santee to send a telegram about something that had to be sent right now. That's the fastest communication you could get if you couldn't get someone on the phone, which we often could not. Right, or <laughs> or the, a telegram, or worried that you didn't have the place to to make a phone call. Right, you, your personal it, phone number. Yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly why we had to send a telegram now. Something to do with films that we were. We were getting from some from Paramount, I think, yeah. and uh, had to send them a telegram because you couldn't get them on the phone. So there was no instant communication, no cell phones, no no email, <laughs> no texting yet. Well, I also want to ask you, you were laughing about the wave of women that came in. So really, there wasn't much of a – but yet you're the only woman on the con committee here in this in this photo. Um, and I believe that's the same way in the, the photo from a year later. Is Did you ever – did you ever feel – um, out of place. It sounds like in your instance, everybody was made to feel welcome. That hey, we well, we all knew each other. Everybody yeah. has has conflicts with somebody, but as you said, fan squabbles. But no, we. Uh, I didn't feel outnumbered, and I don't think I was the only. I was the only female in the picture, maybe at that at those meetings. But uh, Jackie Estrada came in there very, very early. I'm not sure what year. So there were there were some other women that got involved early on. Uh, well, in, I'm uh, I'm also referring to, and it, again, where it sounds like it's a, a, not an issue, but I'm talking about either either 
gender-wise or, um, you know, existing fandom versus Star Trek being... It doesn't seem like Star Trek was seen as a, as a startup. It was something to be embraced and brought in, right? And, and if oh. it was women behind that, so be it. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, women were behind the letter writing campaigns right. that were, we were we were still lobbying to try to get it back on the air, uh, even all through the seventies until we we got the animated series uh, and Dorothy Fontana came down and, and showed us samples of that at uh, I think that was Comic Con seventy four, and. Um, so we got at least the animated series. We were hoping for the original series and the original cast back, but uh, right. that was almost all. The fan clubs and the letter-writing campaigns were almost all run by women, and the fanzines were almost all published by women and written by women, the fiction fanzines. Oh, right. there, yeah, there were fanzines that the guys did that were about the, the technical things, the science fiction element, the technical articles about, gee, how would a phaser really work? That sort of thing. They loved that. Yeah, <laughs> but right. the girls wanted to write fiction. Uh, they wanted to ship it, as we, as the kids would say fiction. today. Yeah. Yes. 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 Which was so. the dominant thing. Well, I'm looking at the page. We pulled pages to share here with everybody this week, our, all our listeners, um, that were especially Star Trek related. Now, it's a it's a thick book. It's There's, you know, many pages. These are just a few, but they all had some Star Trek element, starting with the CONCOM here. And the chairman, who's, um, I guess, not really a rivalry, but talking about competing with what's going on East Coast, which is uh, a little funny. Um, but not really, I don't think, competitive. But everybody was aware that, that of size even then, right? And comp- competing and just trying to offer different things for different fans. I guess there was some friendly rivalry. And so I guess there yeah. was some unfriendly rivalry, that, that sort of thing. There's always a matter of egos oh, yeah. uh, here and there, especially in fandom. But, uh, well, heck, in showbiz, period. But uh, yeah. I don't know. We we survived. <laughs> we, well, got, the, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't really, we didn't. We were 3,000 miles apart from the East Coast Convention, so we didn't really look at them as comp- competition. Right. Well, well speaking of uh, campaigns, what's, uh, you know, aside from some fan art here of Shatner as Kirk, and, and oh, Shell's, Shell's own uh, drawing here of Shatner is, as Kirk, uh, mm-hmm. a full page, and, and here's Dorothy's page for her, you know, her bio. We've got uh, uh, Chekhov, a, a Chekhov art and a Nimoy art, a Spock art, but a letter from David Gerald. Mm-hmm. And here he is being the activist uh, saying, hey, yes, we're working on that animated Star Trek, but we think it should be primetime, you know, like Johnny Quest or like the Flint- If the Flintstones and Jetsons could be originally primetime uh-huh. cartoons, why not, yes. you know, why not Star Trek? And a letter writing campaign for that, which is um, a lot of fun. And then this ad in the back to. Um, Literally, it's just get on our mailing list. But it's like, hey, <laughs> if you want to see a Star Trek back on TV, you know, uh, fill out this coupon. So, yeah. so TV's viewer committee in Teaneck, New Jersey, is going to wind up with a lot of a lot of names. It's yeah. just it's just um, a great time again. There weren't a lot of uh, Star Trek was its own unique phenom, and you all were everybody was just being swept up in it, and like you said, having fun. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, not even thinking about laying down history and not even know, having any awareness of what was about to come with Star Wars and then Katie Bar the Door, everything would be off and running by then with the sci-fi yeah. boom. But at this this little moment in time here, um, 
Yeah. I mean, you guys were just having fun. We Is were it- just a bunch of, of teenage, most of us kids having fun. And uh, we we didn't know, we didn't think about it becoming some big piece of history until uh, until uh, probably after Star Wars came along. And then there were, there were entire shelves of Star Trek books in the bookstores. And I would walk past that and Star Wars would be there too. And I would look at the Star Trek books and and because then then by then the movie the first movie had come out and it had just exploded uh i, I would look at that sh- entire shelf of star trek books and i would think we did that <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of my ego in there. well i i <laughs> yeah i sh- i mean i should you know we we should kind of start wrapping this up but i do want to come back around to the impetus for our our show today which was Sheldorf, and he's revered now as the founder of what what has grown into this entity called Comic-Con San Diego. What, what was he like? Hey, well, what's the word I could use? He was a character. I mean, uh, we we had less to do with him than with the rest of the committee, really, because he was off doing other things most of the time. But uh, Mike, Towery, and Scott, and Richard, and Bill, and uh, and Barry, there was Barry Alfonso. All the guys in that picture you've got were uh, we just... Um, Kind of, kind of circling Sheldorf's orbit, I guess. But uh, we were so wrapped up in Star Trek, we really didn't deal with. I guess you could say there wasn't rivalry, but I guess you could say there was there was a bit of a split because we were so in our own little world with Star Trek that uh, that we didn't connect as much with the comic fans. Oh, wow, can I say that? <laughs> I, I give you permission. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't a rivalry, but uh, maybe in some some people's view it might have been. But uh, well, it sounds we, like it was a much more open atmosphere than it was we might have been in other little, parts of the country. Yeah. So we didn't know him, didn't know Sheldorf all that well, but uh, we did uh, work with the con and uh, and all of its members, and so we were yeah. just. Uh, we were just having a good time and dressing up, which was something that now, having changed costuming to cosplay now and getting very into this, the young and, and the young people making these amazing outfits that they do. Uh, back then, that wasn't done. So if you put on a Star Trek costume and walked down a, a public street, you might. We had people who got picked up. Picked up by. <laughs> By the police department, or by or and thrown out of Disneyland at one point because they didn't want people in rival studios <laughs> outfits in in their in Disneyland at the time, and uh, we we had one member who got picked up by the police. He was wearing a Planet of the Apes costume, and they thought he might be planning to rob a bank because his face was covered. <laughs> so. We had interesting times. <laughs> I was going to say, if someone was picked up for just wearing their Star Trek uniform, yeah, walking not, down not, the street, that the, would not be... Not for the uniform. No, well, we did have people who were asked to leave places because they came in in Star Trek uniforms, yeah. and they didn't know what that was. This was not something that was done. Back then, downtown San Diego was not prepared for this invasion <laughs> of costumed, crazy people. That's what and we called freaking the mundanes in the old days. Ex- exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we called Freaking the mundanes is exactly what we called it. And and, uh, and and we did it on purpose. <laughs> so well. Oh right, right. Sometimes uh, just to tweak people. Well, you know, I guess it's safe to say that San Diego, since those days, has come a long, long way. I don't I don't recall them running off any fan of anything in the last not anymore <laughs> twenty yeah. years or so at least. Not, not anymore. And I and I have the same thought when I look at that crowd of 
200,000 people taking over all of downtown and the rest of San Diego practically. I think we, we did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys, Mike and Scott and Richard and Bill and all of you, we did that. You know, we started it. We did all that. So. Pioneered it. Paved the way. We did. We yeah. did. So. And so I'll say for everybody else, uh, Gene, thank you then for, for, you. For, yeah. for, for being a pioneer and not even realizing it at the time. We didn't. No, we didn't have any uh, lofty ambitions except to get Star Trek back on the air is what we, what we were after. Star, in case we didn't mention that, stood for Star Trek Association for Revival. I was going to say on the way out, it's, yes. And thank you yes. for starting yeah. the, uh, the uh, founding the Star Trek, the STAR, S-T-A-R, the Star Trek Association oh. for Revival chapter that is actually still with us, the San Diego Still with chapter. us. You find it on Facebook. <laughs> so. Okay. Here we go. Gene, thanks so much for stopping by and this this kind of crossing of the streams here with Star Trek and Comic-Con and the early days and, and the unique place as kind of the first of its kind that Star Trek and Star Trek fandom had even in the bigger arena of some of the, the big conventions that were coming. But thank you for dropping by with us. Well, thank you. It was nice talking to you. Thank you. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All of our documents are available right on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcasts.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at Larry Nemechek. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.